Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Engler. I am here with uh, the wonderful co-host, Amanda D'Angelo. Amanda, how are you? I'm good, Peter. How are you? This uh, this question that we're going to get to, this is like your job. It really is. Okay. Well, oh, <laughs> we better be careful. So anyways, we do have to talk about our sponsors. We're part of the LumaVaz network. We are also brought to you by Browncroft Community Church and our wonderful, fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder, is here with us. We exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Mm -hmm. Amanda, our question today is, why don't I feel like I'm growing at church? Oh, man, it's a big one. So for those who don't know, I'm the next steps director at Browncroft Community Church. So I have a job and a passion for helping people take the next step in their faith. It's all about growth. And I'm for it. So I hope we can provide some good answers for people and help them, you know, help them grow in the church. Well, the good news is the pressure isn't on us. It's yeah. on Eric Nevins, our guest. He is the host of the Halfway There podcast. Um, he has done a ton of different things. You're going to hear about that. So he uh, he and I connected and he's responding to this question. So Eric, welcome to Why God Why? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I gave a brief intro. Why don't you just kind of tell our listeners your faith journey and um, why you're so fascinated by this question? Yeah. So actually, this is a question I've had for a long time. I really pinpointed it way back to high school. I remember asking this question in high school. How do we grow in Christ? I remember looking mm -hmm. at my little church. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, Christian family. We were always involved. We were that family that was always there, right? So uh, son, twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday and sometimes all more often. Um, but things never really changed, right? Like all the people were always the same people at the church and the same fights and the same whatever, disagreements, whatever they were. So I, was, I had this question, how do we actually grow? Why? Why is what I see in the New Testament, quite different from what I see in my own experience. And that led me uh, to, to college where I learned to study the Bible. So a lot of times the answer to how do I grow is, at least for me, was read your Bible and pray. So I went to college to learn to read the Bible, got a degree in biblical studies. And then I eventually ended up at seminary. And I like to say, I went to seminary to learn how to pray. I really I studied spiritual formation got exposed to a lot of other uh, Christian traditions and widened my scope quite a bit, um, which is not to say, so in between there, part I haven't told, told you yet is there was kind of a break, which is, uh, I like to say it was three years, two kids and one dark night of the soul, right? It was just, uh -huh. it was a, it was a really tough time. And that's where I learned that actually the journey is much much bigger and includes things like, like the dark night of the soul, spiritual desert, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. And that, that wasn't uncommon, but I'd never heard it. I'd never really heard about that because my tradition didn't have, didn't have that part, part of it. So uh, eventually we landed here in Denver and we just never left because we grew up in the Midwest and it's so much more beautiful out here. So we, we, uh, we, we stayed here. I have uh, been married 25 years. We have four kids, two of which are adults, which I just try not to admit. So you can cut that out. And uh, then we have two middle schoolers as well, which is, which is really fun. That's great. Um, you mentioned how you thought it was just about praying and reading your Bible, but there are other things. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned like the dark night of the soul of get, you know, facing those things that are really difficult. Um, what else is there? You know, what, just like high level, I know yeah. we're going to get more into the details too, but like what else is sure. part of that? 
What else is part of the journey overall or practices? Either one. What do you like? Even for you, like, like, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. So, because I, I can talk about both of those, yeah, way way longer than you would like me to. But uh, the here's here's what I've I've learned. There's a there's a great book called The Critical Journey. I don't know if you've you've read it. It's a, it's a really helped me. I've kind of distilled there. They have like six stages of the spiritual journey. I've turned them after doing my podcast, interviewing 325 people or so for their journey. I break it down into four kind of stages of faith. Mm. Um, and I like to say that the Christian journey, the journey of life with God is longer, deeper and wider than we've been told. There's actually a whole lot to it. So I'll just quickly run through those. The first one is the journey of meeting Jesus, which for all of us to start somewhere, right? So whether mm. it was our family or, Somebody introduced us. I hear stories of people who grew up and their neighbor invited them to go to vacation Bible school or something, right? And so there's that happens for all of us in some way. Um, and those stories are are very can be widely different. There's the journey of kind of learning um, the way of Jesus, and that is getting into your Bible, getting into a lot of your. Um, you know, theology kind of going deeper often includes a serving in the church and as well, uh, according to whatever the needs are and, and being there. Um, and then there's the, the journey uh, that I call finding yourself in Christ. And so this is the one that I think there's between these two, there's a little bit of a disconnect in our American churches um, because the journey of finding yourself in Christ is a little bit messy. Right. That's where the dark night of the soul shows up. Uh, John the cross wrote about um, the dark night of the soul, taking away our identities. And he wrote, he, he wrote about the seven deadly sins, but God kind of takes away those things that we've clung to, uh, to give us meaning. And then he gives us new identities. And then we're able to serve in that season from who we really are and who he's called us to be. For some of us that happens when we're young. And for some of us it happens when we're, when we're older, you never know. It can be, it can happen in any kind of stage in life. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, which I don't get to see as often as I wish I did, but it's the journey of loving like Jesus, right? So my, my very first interview was a woman named Carolyn Schmidt at my church who, I, she's Jesus at my church, right? She just loves people. She disciples people. Every time I talk to her, we talk about a book and then she has the book for me like the next day. And I'm like, oh, well, that's great. Thanks. She just was, is that kind of kind presence. My, my young son like after um, he was like 10. So after the pandemic and we kind of could see each other again, um, she had been in the hospital. She had COVID. She survived, came back. He gave her a huge hug, right? Because he just is drawn to her. Like, like people were drawn to Jesus. It's amazing. So that's sort of the broad strokes of it. There's a lot more detail. It's not linear. uh, Right. And so it's, it doesn't always go. It's hard to, it's not like getting an Enneagram type or something, right? Like where you just go, this is where I am. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot more to it and it's tough to see uh, for where you are, but that's where practices like spiritual direction and stuff like that come in. So I, I kind of want to, I, I think some of our listeners might be taken back that, you know, you actually did really well in a short amount of time to yeah. explain all of that. I think some of our listeners, it's almost as if this question you're aiming at something that you have no idea what you're aiming at and mm-hmm. you just put something that's concrete and tangible. Why do you think we're so uncomfortable with having those types of spiritual conversation, especially the, the spiritual conversations, especially like the, who am I in Christ stage? Cause I think that that that's super helpful for our listeners to answer this question. Yeah. 
Well, particularly in that stage, what happens is, like I said, you, you lose um, some identities, right? Which means that you may not be as useful at church as you used to be, right? So I think you have a couple things happening here. Mm. Um, one, some of our institutions are not designed to actually help people get into that, right? They're designed to get people into the seats and into serving positions. And that's a that's a myopia, I guess. Is that the word? It's a it's a very narrow focus that I don't think actually serves people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love the local church, but I think we've got that kind of problem. Beyond that, um, you have to do some real soul searching, right? And I don't know that we have people who are able to take us through that. Even I know I could tell you the names of like half a dozen spiritual directors right now who are my friends. They have a hard time finding a ministry or finding or creating a living from that ministry because um, churches don't really want to support them. Their you know pastors don't even often know what that is, um, and so it's tough. So that that season can be really difficult. Feel like you're struck out on your own a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is ultimately what has to happen. You have to take responsibility for your own personal journey and walking and finding that with, with the Lord. But does that answer your question? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I I think so. Because I think we're, we're trying to kind of delve into this world of, it's almost like we have all these expectations about church and no expectations about church at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, there is a balance there. I, I do think I, I got to be, so I can be kind of critical. That's sort of my, my, I can be cynical and critical. So I got to be careful not to do that. I don't think that many of our American churches are structured in a way to take people to that, to that level. That was finally my, my conclusion. But I also think that's because we have to take responsibility for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to go on that journey and realize, and that actually is not true only of the spiritual journey, right? Think about how you grow as a person. You know, there's no child, like if I, I've got a 12 year old, if in, you know, eight or 10 years, I'm still having to do the same things for him that, that he, that I have to do for him today, that's going to be a problem for him, right? He's going to have to get organized at some point, figure out where his shoes are, right? That's just, that's just part of growing up as part of becoming your own person. And I think that's true spiritually. And so, so, so some of the advice, I've been having this conversation with my cousin who, uh, I could tell you a lot more detail about him, but we have this conversation all the time about how creation, creating things, I help people create with podcasting. He helps people, writers, people become better writers. Creation actually is a personal development tool that helps you understand and helps you start to um, start to put your thoughts together and to develop uh, your own way. I think that's true with spiritual growth as much as it is you know, anything else. It's just personal growth in general. Wow. I, I love that you, and we brought up the point of it's, you have to take ownership of it. You really have to own your own spiritual growth. What would you say, Eric, that, sorry, if it's very clear, I do application like right away. Like I really want to learn and know I'm, I'm a student of all things. So what does that look like for someone to own their own faith? Like what is like even a definition and then some practical ways? Cause mm. that could be its own podcast of itself. But what would oh, you yeah, say right. to that person like right away? Wow. So for owning your own faith, I 
would probably do a couple things. I would start with scripture because I think that mm-hmm. is, is very important. You need to learn how to read it. And more importantly, you need to learn how to interpret it and how to, mm-hmm. how to apply it. So you got to understand the entire story. So I, I'm a fan. Like if you, if you can, and you want to read the Bible in a year, that's great. I don't think that's where you should stop though. Right. So like get the big story, understand that everything in scripture is connected. And there's a, there's a, so I was just having a conversation with a podcast guest today. He started Mark. So yeah, Mark uses Isaiah a lot. So then you need to go back to Isaiah, but Isaiah is talking about the exile and you need to understand what that was and Exodus. So then you got to go back to that and you need to understand the broad scope of history, but you also have to understand interpretive principles and how those things work so that you're not making misapplications of scripture to yourself. So that would be one thing. Um, I would say the other, the other thing is start to study outside of your tradition. Um, Richard Foster has a great book. Uh, I think it's called streams of living water about Mm -hmm. the, the different traditions that there are within Christianity. And I was raised to be really afraid of those things, right? Like one time I had a conversation with my dad, um, because he grew up in the evangelical covenant church. And then he, uh, later in life for a variety of reasons, found himself going to a Lutheran church and being part of a Bible study at an Episcopal church. And he asked me like, is that okay? <laughs> like, am I, am I allowed to do that? Like, yeah, that's amazing because you're actually, I saw him grow so much in those situations because he was getting exposed to new ideas, new practices, new ways of doing things. So I would start to explore those things and you'll find within each of those traditions, you need some charismatic tradition. You have to believe the Holy Spirit exists, right? You don't have to be, you know, handling snakes or something like you know, that, that's that's a whole different deal but you but you should you should you should have some charismatic tradition you should have some evangelistic tradition you should have some uh connection to church history uh mm-hmm. as well so i think starting to explore those things um is kind of the path i would send people down there's a great book um by sky jatani called with which mm-hmm. is about re i think the subtitle is reimagining your relationship with God, something like that, mm. uh, that I would recommend everybody start with. That is kind of a game changer as it's, it's simplest language, but it gives you that kind of start to understand the sort of big picture. You know, hmm. I want to come back to, cause the second stage that you talked about is like the way of Jesus. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if, if we're super clear and you can correct me on this later, like, here's what churches really offer. Like they offer, the Sunday morning large gathering, Hebrews, let's gather together. They offer small groups or something like that, that we live out the one another's and relationships of faith. They We've talked about serving. They offer serve opportunities. Um, and I, I just think it's helpful. Like, let's be clear what churches have to author, offer. So yeah. I, I think what I hear you say on one hand, though, is like there's a point that you actually like spiritually graduate outside of what your church can offer you. And I don't want to say that like tacitly, but just so on one hand, there's, you're going to go through a dark night of the soul. The church can't provide that for you. But then I also think that there's a second thing is that I've grown the most in my faith when I've had to lead someone else. And, you know, Amanda and I were just talking about it. We're on a discipleship team. We talk a lot about investing in others. I feel like one of the things that people miss is I meet people that are stuck in the way of Jesus because they haven't gone to what's my identity in Jesus because they haven't had to like walk with someone else, which is super scary. I don't know. Am I crazy or what do you think? 
No, I, I think vulnerability is a really big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a big thing. I just read this book. Um, it's called Facing Codependence by Pia Melody. Fascinating. Uh, I was doing that for some just, pers- just personal growth, but she gives this description. I wish I could remember all of them here, but I'll give you a, a couple of them um, of what adults are. So she was discussing like how, how you become codependent and the things that you don't get as a kid. Uh, but there was one part where I was just like, kind of blown away because I grew up in the church and I grew up, you know, whatever my family, but I was like, some of these things are actually not just characteristics of, of just personal maturity, but there are characteristics of like just uh, maturity in general. Right. So, and even spiritual maturity. So one of those things is like vulnerability. You've got a, a mature person is appropriately vulnerable, right. Is like able to not overshare, but not, undershare. And I think you see this with all kinds of church leaders who fall, right? It's because nobody knew who they were. They couldn't be honest with anyone because they felt like if they did, they would be, you know, torn, torn down anyway. And so they had, they had felt like they had to hide. That might be one of the first reactions to sin, right? Like if we could go into Genesis three and all that. Uh, but, but then there's others, you know, so dependence, it's not good for you to be spiritually dependent on your pastor, on your church worship service every, every mm-hmm. week, because you need to grow into what's interdependence, right? So you're not going to be dependent. You're not going to be independent. You need to be interdependent, which was for me just a beautiful concept to go. Oh yeah. Cause I tend to be react against like, I don't want to re- rely on anybody, like forget it, but no, that's not how it is. I need to, I need to depend where it's appropriate and serve where it's appropriate um, but also have my own boundaries when, when that seems legitimate. So that, I think that's how it is. And I think that's, that applies to our spiritual journey as well. So you eventually have to grow out of letting your church do everything for you. So in, in light of that, what role does the church play in someone's life? Like if it's, if it's not, and cause I'm agreeing with you. But for someone's like, okay, then what's the, what's the point? What's, um, what role does it play? What's the title that I have that I can give it? Yeah. The church. Yeah. So that's a great question. You guys work at a church. And so I'm going <laughs> to like, I think, I think you probably are way closer to that. And I'll be honest, I've never worked at a church, although I have a seminary degree. I just think about this a lot mm-hmm. from my own perspective. Mm-hmm. I suspect that what I would love to see, let's let me put it that way, is that our churches become a place where people are encouraged to become part of the community and to contribute to it, not just in yep. filling a gap, filling in the nursery or in the kitchen mm-hmm. or serving the community, whatever it is, those things are fine, but they don't bring people to life, right? They don't, they're not the thing that God is, does. Um, maybe, maybe for some people it does, right? Uh, but for a lot of people, it doesn't, and they just serve there because they're it's just needed, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta be on that. I think if you can have a community that is genuinely vulnerable, open to questions, yeah. willing to sit with you while you're while you're wrestling with something, mm-hmm. um, that'll go a really long way. Um, and then I would also add empowering to create things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would love to see. Um, I mentioned my cousin before we're working on this thing. I would love for like, he would love to see 
churches encourage writing where people can share their writing and then other mm -hmm. people in the church would, would read it. That mm -hmm. will help you develop your thoughts. I, I'm a podcaster. I'm a talker. So I don't know what I think until I say it out loud. So I would love to encourage that. I would, you know, it would have meant a lot. I, my church absolutely supported my show when I first started because they, people would give, come on the show and I've got a lot of guests through my podcast and my pastor mentioned it from the stage, which I was grateful for. Um, but that was kind of it, right? Like I would have loved if somebody would have said, you know what, Eric, I see this as a thing for you. And I would love to help you out with some equipment or I would love to, you know, send you to a podcast conference or whatever, whatever it is, right? Like that would have mm -hmm. been really meaningful for me to, to create um, and to empower me as a creative. And I think we need to, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what I wrestle with, with what you're talking about is, um, there's people that kind of come in with their passions and they want to elevate the church's passions to it. So, yes. and, and I, I think that that's a dance. Um, it's not totally. And so like, even with, there's a lot of people that ask me, why does our church have a podcast? Like Peter, is this just your pet project? And it's like, well, you know, we know where the world's going digitally. Um, we know where people are going. We need to kind of be there. And so we're trying to get ahead of the curve. And, you know, I wrestle with this whole idea of like, sometimes people come with a half formed idea. Whereas like, if you attended the church, like if you attended Browncroft, it would be a very different conversation because you have like 600 podcast. It's not that many, but like <laughs> you have like a couple hundred podcast episodes you're kind of like, so there's a different level of engagement of how we can partner together. Whereas like right. some, some people are like, Hey, I want to start a basketball league at the church. Okay. Who, who's in this league? You know, who do you know? And so it goes down this dark road. And I guess even with, why don't I feel like I'm growing in church? Like, I, I just feel like, you know, even as a pastor, I'm not always asking the things that people are passionate about of how that works because it's, it's really difficult. I don't know. Push yeah. back on me. Well, so no, I get that. And so you're, it's a really good uh, insight. And again, that's probably one that I wouldn't have, although my wife worked on staff. So I'll give you an example. I hope she won't. Well, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say general. How about that? Cause I haven't asked her if I could use it, but the, she had seasons where people would show up and they would say, Hey, this is my thing. And I would, I've done this at other churches and I would really like to do that here. Right. Great. So to your point of people are trying to bring their passion to and make it my passion. Right. And that's maybe not it. And that, that that's okay. You don't, you need to have boundaries on what you do and how you spend money and all that kind of thing. I get it. Um, but like going back to, in my case at my church, I, like I wasn't unknown though. You know, like when I was, when I, I was, I, I was an elder. I was coming off the elder board when that happened. I've been, I've been there for six years, right? It's not like, I, it's like nobody didn't knew who I was. It was that nobody else had the vision, right? So yeah. I think there's a, there's a difference there. If you can, and if you can like, so with your basketball league example, maybe, maybe the, maybe the league is half baked, but what can you do to help somebody bake it? Right. Yeah. What can mm. you do to turn the fire up a little bit so that it bakes all the way and turns into something. And maybe it looks completely different than what they initially envisioned mm. you've helped them and they're going to grow by creating something by bringing people together and they're going to find a piece of themselves that that god knows is there mm -hmm. but maybe you didn't didn't know so i just think that whole idea of helping empowering people mm -hmm. 
we, we we need to do it somehow. And then it's going to look different everywhere. That's the hard part. I can't really be prescriptive on that. But, you know, I would say to pastors, if you can figure out how you can empower more people and, you know, take and take less power for yourself, I think that'd be a good thing. So I want to go back down that road at some point, but I actually want to engage you and Amanda on this because one of my suspicions with this question, I could just be crazy wrong, is like people will tell me I need to go deeper and I ask them like what that looks like and they have no clue. And it's kind of, you know, I had a friend that used to say, he called it like the we suck syndrome where it's like <laughs> maybe maybe you're exactly at the right place that you need to be. Um, you know, you think about this. Jesus had 30 years of anonymity. Uh, Alicia Britt Chloe wrote a book on that where it was just quiet faithfulness. Um, you can go through other, like Paul worked as a tent maker and served as, as a church. Like sometimes there's just quiet seasons. And I, I feel like a lot of the people that are looking to go deeper, mm -hmm. it's kind of like maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be. So I don't know, Eric, we'll start with you and then I'll let Amanda push back. I, I mean, that's kind of one of the things behind this question. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it depends on what they're looking for, right? Is it a Bible mm. study and they want to go deeper? That's, you know, as a teacher, you're, you're probably having to teach. You should teach a little over people's heads, but like you're probably having to teach to a broad swath of people, right? So um, I could see that. It just depends on the on the situation. So I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm curious what, what you think, Amanda. Yeah, I um, I just started in this role in November and I'm absolutely loving it. But I've had a passion my whole life as a Christian um, to help people take the next step in their faith. Um, and it, I think the beautiful part about um, the body of Christ is that like everyone's different and everyone's in a different season. Um, I had someone come up to me as a new guest and they needed help with a aspect of their relationship with their significant other. And then I had another person that said, um, you know, I just I need to get involved. I want. I want to connect with people. I want to help. I want to be, it's the hands-on aspect of it. And I think there's no, like you said, it's not linear. It's really just saying, being, walking with them in the journey of their growth to say, um, you know, what are you, how are you praying about this? What has God revealed to you? As we talk about what it means to grow in your faith, which one like tugs at your heart to say, yeah, that's, that's lacking or I need growth in that or I need help. Um, that's kind of where I landed. It has to be individualized because everyone is so different and in a different spot in their faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I mean with like spiritual direction. So I'm glad that you could, you could do that. Right. Cause that's part of that discernment process mm -hmm. that really, I think a pastoral presence can really bring and do, um, not a lot of churches have that, that have that person. So some, I don't know, at least in my experience. Right. No, we meet with people, you know, all the time. And I wouldn't say that we're official spiritual directors, but that's kind of what we're trying to get at. And so let me kind of build off what you and Amanda are talking about. Like this question, why don't I feel like I'm growing in church? How, how would you help someone discern? Am I in the right place? And I'm just kind of looking for the next thing versus I've been doing something for a long time and I need to find the next thing, or maybe God's pushing me that. How would you, what questions, what things would you kind of encourage them to help them discern? Hmm. 
Yeah, that is a good question. So I would start looking, asking questions that get at their heart, Mm -hmm. right? So like, what is it? I would ask questions about desire. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be in three years, Mm -hmm. right? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you, what's that vision? The reality is most of us aren't going to, it's going to be looked very different three to five years from wherever, you know, wherever Mm -hmm. we are and whatever we envision. But if you take steps toward that, doors will open and you'll take some of them and they will take you to a, to a place. So I'd be looking for some of that. Um, I might do some prayer. I might do some listening prayer with, with people and just spend some time um, asking. It's amazing what will happen if you open up that space. You ask the Lord, speak, you know, speak to my friend here and we're open. And then you just be quiet and listen and see what happens. And perhaps something will bubble up in their spirit that God will, will lead them. And sometimes you got to just tell them um, they know what to do, right? They know what they, they know what steps they need to take. Um, I actually had an experience like that when I, when I left my job, I was driving to work one Monday morning and I was angry <laughs> about it. I used to, I call it bank jail. I used to go to sit in a six by six cell where I didn't come out until somebody told me it was lunchtime, but um yeah that I was on my way and I was praying. I was like, God, what am I going to do? And he said to me, I think you know what to do. I was like, yeah, I do. I do know what to do. I just was afraid to do it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes asking those questions or giving people, you know, a question of what, why, why don't you take this step? Why don't you do this thing? Um, What's the worst that could happen? Sometimes that can be really helpful as well. Where do you want to be in three years? And what do you see as kind of Uh, a part of a church? Great question. I opened myself up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> uh, as far as far as church, you know, honestly, I'm not I'm not entirely sure uh, at the moment. My, my role at Christian Podcasters Association is, uh, you know, teaching Christian podcasters and so helping them create. And I love doing that. I would really love for that to be, um, a, it's a business, but a a, a business tree, as I like to say, uh, that would that is really empowering more and. Uh, more Christians to create their own shows, whether they think they can or not, mm-hmm. um, and helping them take that next step. So, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm, if I'm doing that, I really consider it a form of discipleship. Um, I think it's a key kind of part where people find their voice yeah. and they learn how to speak and use it. And then inevitably when you start to get to a certain point, it sort of mushrooms into, I'd like to write a book or I'd like to, uh, get you get a speaking opportunity or something and that can turn into something that um where somebody's voice can be really helped if i'm helping people do that i'm i'm pretty happy mm. do you feel like sometimes eric that with most people it is something specific that it is very defined of where what their next step is like and do you feel that the the church would be operating at its best or not operating. I don't want to make it sound like an organization or whatnot, but like that we're in a healthy spot spiritually. If we have people ready and willing to help those who, Hey, I want to help with women's or I want to help with, you know, global missions, or I want to help with whatever that people are in the church staff or key volunteers and leaders who are going to help people with, um, where they feel like they, their next step is and where they want to grow in, uh, in their faith. Yeah, I do. I think that's phenomenal if you can have that so that, um, you know, here's, here's what I would look for. If the church as a, as an entity is prepared to identify people when they are coming 
up with an idea or they're starting to take that step and they're able to empower them to do it. So whether that's money or that's time or that's discernment or prayer or connections, right? Because that's right. what churches are really great at. It's a, it's a social organization. So sometimes it's, hey, you should meet this guy. And then you you connect them together and uh, go. Yeah, I think I think that's phenomenal. And if that, if that is the core of what you do as a pastor, I think you're doing it right. Like, I think, I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, when I was in seminary and uh, Eric, this is kind of what makes you a good podcast guest, but also a podcast interviewer. Um, I didn't know we would go this direction, but when I was in seminary, I, I took a whole class <laughs> in the theology of work. And I, I think something that's kind of laid dormant oh. in me is I'm constantly like connecting people. Like, I don't think I'm super smart or like, I just have the gift of, hey, I know this person, you two should go get coffee, enjoy yourselves. And I think even one of the things that's missing from the church, um, I'm supportive of men's ministry, I'm supportive of women's ministry, I'm supportive of marriage ministries, singles, young adults, like, you know, every church context has to answer how to do that. But I think one of the places that we're really missing the mark, and even why don't I feel like I'm growing at my church is... Like we're not helping people connect their jobs with the relationships, with the gifts, with everything in the church. And even kind of what you're saying is like, it sounds like you have a pretty good handle on who's at, at the church that you attend and you serve at, but like, you know, Hey, Eric, you're a podcaster. Here's another podcaster. Why don't you two meet, come back to us or, you know, as a pastor, yep. Hey, let's, and I, I just think what you're kind of painting the picture of is this church that is this relational organization that's helping people encourage and affirm and discover their gifts. And the question that you're asking isn't, you know, what will the church do? It's how can the church be involved as opposed to mm. yes or no. And I don't know, like, I, I feel like because we're yeah. not uniting people together with work, like we, there's a company called Paychecks. Like, I don't think people at Browncroft I think they sit with each other and work for that company and work on like two different floors and have no clue that they all go to church together. Mm. Yep. Man, I had the weirdest experience one time uh, when I ran into a guy, I kept running into him on Sunday. And so we talked to him just a little bit and, and to be honest, I'd forgotten his name. And then <laughs> I ran into him in the break room at work one day. <laughs> I was like, Oh, what are you doing here? I had no idea. And it was like completely out of context. I was like, I know your face, but I don't even know like what's going on. I think you had a badge on that was helpful, but um, yeah, that's, I, you're right. That's if we, we don't even know each other because who's making that connection. Like we need somebody to, to right. make that connection on the flip side. One of the best things that ever happened right around the time I left my job to start this business, um, we were at a church picnic and the pastor said to me, Eric, that guy over there is Patrick. And he uh, is also, he's got starting his own business as he was a spiritual director and you should meet him. So I walked over and I introduced myself and you know what, Patrick and I are friends. We'll go on a walk together this weekend. We'll go, we, we go and, and hang out and he, we go fishing and all that kind of stuff still to this day uh, because we had that thing in common. So we could share, we worked on some stuff together and, you know, commiserated about the miseries of small business and all that kind of stuff. So it was, <laughs> it's uh, but somebody, but we can, we can encourage each other and we do spiritual direction for each other as, as friends, you know, just, talking in the car on the way to a lake somewhere. Yeah. I have a thought. What about the people who um, their careers don't exactly align 
with their spiritual gifts or what they feel like they're passionate about. Because some people got into a job that they did it because it's their it was their degree. They got the it pays well and it provides health insurance for their family and that's that. And then the church is actually a place where they can use other gifts and talents and passions that mm-hmm. they do not use in their career. What about those people? Well, so yeah, I think that's great. I think it depends on what, what they want, right? If they're happy mm-hmm. to do that, then that's good. And that's, that's fantastic. If they can mm-hmm. do something that ultimately isn't their like a business or a, you know, the big thing that in the, is in their life, but they can serve in a way that really helps them and they enjoy and they feel connected. I'm all for it. That's, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, this has been really cool and really awesome. So why, why don't you focus on, I, I think let's kind of start closing where you started, which is cause I, I think the answer to this question was those four phases, mm-hmm. like talk about those last two phases in depth. So, um, we have the who you're becoming in Christ. And I forgot the last phase. I should have been taking notes. But I think that that might yeah. be super helpful for people to have a vision of their personal spiritual growth and how the church is involved. Yeah. So the um, finding yourself in Christ, which I, I put it that way on purpose, because I think you're having knowing yourself is one of the most important things that a mature person can do. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand why you think the way you do, you know, the kinds of experiences that shape who you are. You know, we talk about spiritual formation as a shaping, right? So everything is always shaping us in some way. So you you need to know that um, and be mindful of it and have rhythms and maybe intentional rhythms that, that help you shape yourself in certain ways or partner with God to shape you. Um, so that's all really good, but it is, it is that practice. Part of it is going through the spiritual desert. I, I started my whole podcast because I wanted people to know that that's normal, a normal mm-hmm. part of the mm-hmm. spiritual journey that it's not just my life was terrible. Then I met Jesus and then my life is great. Like, okay. But there's all this other stuff that, that can happen. Um, God's people have been wrestling with that forever. So going through that season and knowing there is a, uh, another side to it, where and embracing and asking the Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to learn? What is the thing that I need to to know here um, can be really valuable, but then serving according to those gifts. And that means having boundaries and being willing to say, no, I can't, I can't, you know, at a certain point, uh, I mean, when we had little kids, I would serve in the nursery, but at a certain point I was like, I got, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> like I just like, <laughs> it's okay. So, or wh- whatever it is, um, that was one for me, but you know, being willing to have that boundary and say, no, it's okay. I, my time is better used over here. Um, and so it's not that you're not serving. It's that you're intentional about the places that you are serving. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think some of that is really good as for like the learning to love like Jesus. I mean, this is honestly, for me, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery, right? Not all of us get there, right? Not all of us. And it's very, and it's rare. And sometimes it's a thing that you move into and move, move away from. But one of the characteristics of it is that you don't it's not really driven by ego, right? So it's not, it's not a thing that is about you. And Mm. so like those of us who are building platforms and building, you know, building things at a certain level that has to be about letting people know what I do, but a person living in the life of love doesn't care, right? They just take advantage. They're they're very present. They're very patient and they're just um, to be there with, with the person that God has put in front of them. And so they, you know, may wake up every day and say, okay, God, who do you have for me today to serve? That's a, that's a great question to, 
practice in anticipation of getting there. I've had, I don't want to put a number on it because I don't really know, but generally when I do interviews on my show, this is the stage that we don't talk about because very rarely do I talk to people who are there. I've had the pleasure of having maybe a handful of people who are generally older, you know, that uh, have been there. One lady I interviewed and she was in her nineties at the time. <laughs> she lived to be a hundred, uh, but she, she uh, was just amazing. And she would tell me these stories about the intimacy that she has with Jesus and the ways that she would um, just minister to people. Um, so, so amazing. She would, suddenly have a thought about somebody and then she'd pray for them. And then later she'd find out that they were in an airplane over the Philippines and couldn't, uh, didn't have a place to land because the clouds were too crazy or something like, like that's, that was a story. I'm, I'm butchering it, but wild stories like that. But she just had this level of intimacy with Jesus. That was pretty, pretty amazing. Wow. What a, what a story and what a place to end. Man, that's great. Uh, it's pretty powerful. Well, um, we always ask one last question. So Eric, you know, as a podcaster, as somebody who studied to be a pastor and a business owner, you get to clean up the mess that Amanda and I leave uh, out of this episode. So <laughs> we always ask, you know, what does Jesus have to do with this question? So what does Jesus have to do with why don't I feel like I'm growing at my church? And, um, Amanda, you told me in our last podcast interview that I like always put you first. So no, do you? I always you always you, ask so kindly. Do you want to go first? And I'm like, yeah. So I always take first place. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give it to you, Peter. Again, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> if you want to, I I you know I, I've been reading a couple. So I love the title of your podcast, Halfway There. So I encourage everybody to listen to it. He's got some great episodes, Eric. But you know, I think a lot of that comes through. There's been a lot of Christian conversation about the first half of life and the second half of life. And one of the places that, you know, the first half of life is really the 10 commandments. So these clear concrete, um, you know, honor your father and mother, don't lie, don't steal. But then there's another part of your formation that actually turns into the beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, mm -hmm. blessed are the peacemakers. And I think what we're talking about when we get to this question, why don't I feel like I'm growing at my church is, um, there's a level of like Jesus is doing something new in you. And sometimes it's the transition from the 10 commandments to the beatitude. So I, I'd encourage our listeners as you're asking this question, like maybe it's not about the church and maybe it's not about you, but it's about what God's doing in you. And then you can start asking the questions about, Hey, does, is God calling me to get more involved in my church or is God calling me to, you know, invest elsewhere? And so I just kind of challenge you. I think what Eric's bringing up, which is so powerful is, you know, we're talking about the two halves of our life and that second half is wonderful and beautiful. And not all of us will get to the, the loving others can loving God portion of it in kind of the way that Eric's described, but it's a little less concrete than we can admit. And that's okay. Um, that's God working. So that's mm -hmm. how I'd respond to it. Okay. Perfect segue. So I think that you spoke to like the portion of people owning their own faith. I think that's so prevalent and especially in my position in our church, I'm, my boss is amazing and always reminds me of the verse that in Ephesians four that talks about like we as a staff, especially need to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Like we, we need to help them. And like you said, Eric, love the word empower 
empower them to do what God has called them to do mm-hmm. in a way that no one else in the church can do it. Like you're playing your specific role in the body of Christ, not like anyone else. You're playing your role. And it, it excites me to be able to play a small part of that in someone's life. I love that. I, that's just, that makes me so happy to hear because I think you, you don't know, right? I think about this all the time uh, with podcasting. You know, I say sometimes in the 19th century, the Western church sent missionaries around the world. In the 21st century, we're going to send content around the world. Mm. And people are listening all, literally all over the world mm-hmm. to shows that uh, that I get to play a small part. And so I, I think of that ripple of, uh, effect. You don't know what impact you empower somebody at your church has, right? So you empower them and maybe they serve someone and then that person serves someone else. So I had a guy on my show and I'll get to the Jesus question in just a second, but I got to tell you this story. <laughs> I got my show early on the first like year or two. Uh, named Dan Rudman, and he went to class. He went to a. He was coming to his home to his dorms, like University of Michigan. Comes back to his dorm. They're showing a Josh McDowell film. This is like the seventies. About you know, it was about relationships, and he was like, "I like girls, so let me sit down and hear think hear about that." So he watches it, leaves, and comes back, and then he was like, "Okay." They gave him a Bible, and they said, "Hey, start reading in John." Well, he couldn't find John. He found first, second, third John. So he he was reading read that and he realized he goes i'm on the side of darkness not the side of light you know there's those themes and and john gives his life to christ becomes this incredible evangelist he's literally preached the gospel to millions of people around the world he goes i never saw that ra who showed that film again never saw him that guy didn't even know that because of his work because he was just faithful to say i'm going to show this josh mcdowell film and maybe to this day thinks "Eh, nothing happened and i was just who knows that millions of people have heard the gospel that's powerful, right? And so you could have that impact. I think that's fantastic. Okay, the Jesus thing. I was thinking about this. I think the thing about Jesus is he, I think we see him both pursuing who his identity, since we talked a lot about that, and knowing his identity, mm. right? So I'm really fascinated by the, the situation when he's 12 and he goes to the temple. Now, I, I didn't have a good way of interpreting that when he says to his mom, like, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? I always took that as him being a little bit impertinent, right? Because that's probably how I would have done it. <laughs> that's probably me reading myself into that text. But actually, that was the age when children, when young young boys that age would have gone to the temple if they were going to, to study as rabbis, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm confident that Mary was telling him, all the time. You're special. You, you are, uh, you know, the story of your birth is really interesting. You've got whatever there's, there were all these stories that Mary was affirming his identity and he was trying to figure out what does it mean for me to pursue a life of service to God? Like, what does that mean? Well, in his culture, that meant going to the temple. And so he thought he would go and do that and he was impressing the people. And so I'm sure it was like, he was really great. So I thought that he probably thought this was really amazing. And then his parents were like, you, Let's go. We got it. We got to go. And he submitted to them. That's what it says, right? Real, which is really fascinating. And so we know the rest of the story. But later, the Lord, the Father, affirms his identity. This is the, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Right on multiple occasions, and you see him operate, particularly in Holy Week, in that identity. Right? He knows who he is. He he is not concerned about any of the other expectations. Don't bring the swords. That's not the expectation that that we have. You wouldn't have any power over me if 
It wasn't given to you from above, right? He operates within his identity, knowing who he is because the father has told him and because he has spent time with him. If as a church, you can empower people to know that and to serve according to that, you'll, we'll, I mean, we'll have, we'll see this revival at Asbury. I think we'll have way more of that, right? If people are just operating in that. And if you're, if that's you and you're wondering how to, how to do that, just ask, right? Because you never have to wonder what God thinks of you. Not only is it revealed in scripture, but he will tell you if you just ask. Right. Yeah. Eric, where can people find you? Best place is ericnevins.com. That's my website. There's also halfwaytherepodcast.com if you want to see some uh, episodes and you can, you can, there's a contact button there. You can just click that and say hello or I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. Well, there you go. Well, and you can find us at whygodwhypodcast.com. We thank you so much for joining. Click the subscribe button and you'll get an email with this episode and many others like this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.